Hi, I'm Jack Lesenberry, and welcome or welcome back to my podcast. I've been doing all sorts of journalism since the day when every city had two newspapers, three TV channels, and the Internet was something used in fishing. But what hasn't changed is the need to get in-depth information in an interesting way and tell good stories, and that's what I'm trying to do here, especially by bringing you fascinating people who are making a difference. So please join me as often as possible, either via audio or on YouTube, where you can see some of our guests, and also stay tuned for my signature essays at the end of each of these podcast. You can also read my essays, tune into YouTube, and check out lots of other work on my blog, LessonberryInc.com. That's ink as an ink pen. And thank you for listening and reading, and I hope you keep it up. Now then for today's story. I was born into a world where African Americans were second-class citizens at best. In many southern states, they couldn't vote and lived in what amounted to virtual apartheid. That has dramatically changed, though the civil rights struggle, that civil rights struggle, caused a lot of blood and lives. Women have also had to fight for equality in our lifetimes, but it's only in very recent decades that America has begun to recognize that gay and lesbian people were not sick or criminals and had legitimate rights to live their lives the way they want to. And society has lagged even further behind when it comes to respecting the rights of transgender citizens, as well as understanding anything about them. Joining me now are two people who are deeply involved in this civil rights movement. Julissa Abad is a transgender Latina woman from Florida who relocated to Michigan a few years ago. I guess nobody told you about the winners here. (laughs) And Alana McGuire is the president of Fair Michigan, an organization that's fighting to end discrimination in the state and make sure everyone is treated fairly. Julissa is also a board member of Fair, by the way. I guess it's the Fair Michigan Foundation. I also want to note that while Alana is married to Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel, she's not necessarily speaking for the Attorney General general today or in our work with FAIR. Is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> well, both of you, welcome both both of you to, and, and thanks for being here. And I wonder, I wanted to start uh, maybe with you, Alana, since you're the president. You always want to start with the president. <laughs> okay. um, I'm curious about, uh, um, first of all, I want you to tell us a little bit about FAIR Michigan, but also, I'm confused about something. Um, the state's Elliot Larson Civil Rights Act. Yes. It was commonly assumed that it didn't cover the rights of gay and transgender citizens, but is there another interpretation of that? There is another interpretation of that, actually, where you could use the existing Elliot Larson Civil Rights Act and use gender as a way to actually interpret protections for the LGBT community. Right. Um, that is something that, that we hope will uh, will go forward. But now, is the Attorney General studying this? Is she, did she say she's going to issue an opinion on this? She is supposed to be issuing an opinion on that, yes. Right. Okay. so. Wonderful. Yes. I, I do have some news about that, though. Good. So tomorrow in Lansing, um, State Senator Jeremy Moss and uh, State Representative Tim Sneller are going to be introducing amendments to L.A. Larson to include civil Wonderful. rights protections. Now, since this, not everybody may see this on this day, but today you mean by it would be June 4th, early in June. Correct. They're going to be introducing mm-hmm. amendments. Of course, uh, the legislature, both houses are still controlled by the Republicans. They're yes. Democrats, so it may be a fight to get those through. But yes. they're sort of making a record. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's unlikely that it will go forward. Um, but you know, for for us, I think that it's it's certainly symbolic, and right. um, and we would like to take up that cause. Wonderful, but Julie said, tell us tell us your story. You you are a transgender woman. You you did you grow up in Florida? You- so I did. I was raised in Florida. I moved to Detroit, um, two thousand eleven. It was a culture shock. Um, <laughs> In places in Florida, there's not a 
centralized place where trans women congregate. Right. Um, so when I first moved here, I Googled places that were LGBT friendly, and Palmer Park came up, Ferndale, and Royal Oak. Um, because of financial situations, I moved to Palmer Park. I thought that it was just inclusive and open until I realized that all of the women, like myself, were doing survival sex work. So they're working as sex workers in order to pay their bills, in order to survive. Correct. In order to survive, in order to get education, food, hormone therapy, like just the essentials that people take for granted. Um, I applied myself for a job. I have a degree and speak three languages. I couldn't get employment. The social stigma was that I was only good for sex work. Um, I saw Dana Nessel on the news. I reached out to Fair Michigan, basically told them my story, the plight that trans women of color go through, and that I just needed an opportunity. Now, this was before Dana Nessel was attorney general or even a candidate, correct? Correct. Yes, this was in 2016. She she actually first came, our attorney general first came to prominence as the attorney for the two nurses in the same-sex adoption case, which correct. later became later became also uh, about marriage equality, and that case was bundled with other cases and went to the Supreme Court, which in 2015 said people had the right to marry. Yes. Correct. I'm just you know, recounting the history a little bit for people <laughs> who might not know it. So how friendly has Michigan been for trans, uh, transgender folks? Um, okay, so in the beginning, there was a lot of issues, particularly in the area of Six Mile and Woodward, which is where a lot of um, trans women go to do survival sex work. and to That's always been sort of notorious for all people who do sex correct, work. Correct. For yeah. cisgender men, women, right. doesn't matter how you identify, right. there is a street corner to supply right. what it is people are looking for. Um, so in that time period, and again, we're talking 2016, there was a lack of of education, a lack of mistrust with law enforcement. Right. Um, since then, obviously, we do recognize that there's still a lot of work that needs to be done, but we have came leaps and bounds. And Michigan is actually being a lot more progressive. There is a lot more policies in place for trans women of color. A lot of trans women that didn't have opportunities like myself back then are in positions that work at organizations to make a difference and continue to do the fight that we're doing. You, know, you mentioned you had a college degree. What is your specialty and what is your profession? So I went to school for mass communication journalism. I went what to, a mistake. I know. <laughs> I went to Suffolk University, and my dream was to be a newscaster one day, and then I ended just, up doing this. You're on the news all the time. Yeah, it kind of just worked. But you also do have a what my former students would have called a jobby job. Yeah. yeah and, and that's kind of interesting. Tell us about that. So I also work at um, Wrigley's Pharmacy outside of Fair, Michigan. The reason that I um, looked for employment was, again, I started to learn all of the reasons as to why trans women would be out there. Right. My goal was to eradicate those reasons. So if it was because you're hungry, I looked at organizations that offer food boxes, um, food. If it's because you need shelter, I started reaching out to organizations to be inclusive for trans individuals. Um, a lot of people like myself can't authentically reflect like they want to um, because they don't have access to hormone therapy. Right. So I worked, uh, started with Wrigley's, again, told them the disparities that trans women go through. Um, injectable hormones are not covered by any insurance here in Michigan. So through Wrigley's, I have um, allowed the trans community to receive a really big discount on hormones. And because we work with marginalized communities, we also provide them free over-the-counter medications and toiletry items every month, which is something less, one thing less that they have to worry about. Do you both think that uh, hormone therapy should be covered the same way, let's say, chemotherapy is or, uh, you know, something else. If I, if I had a transplanted organ, say, mm -hmm. and I needed drugs, is it all the same thing? 
Oh, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Well, my opinion is yes. Um, I'm glad you asked. Um, Illinois just actually passed something to where Medicaid is going to be um, covering the cost of breast augmentation and different surgeries for trans individuals. Right. Um, I'm going to see if I can speak to our governor here and see if we can make that happen in Detroit um, because it is. It would help. You've been in Michigan, not just Detroit. Well, yeah, yeah, all of Michigan. I'm sorry. Because um, it definitely would help with just um, a plethora of things that trans women go through, like just feeling comfortable, being right. able to go present in the street and look the way you authentically want to represent. Um, So those are a lot of things that people take for granted. Um, It gives them depression, higher rates of suicide, just because they don't have access to these things. We'd like to educate the medical community more generally about how to treat LGBT patients. um, There's a lot of ignorance. There there is. um, Using correct pronouns, even... um, explaining partner relationships and things like that. Um, it's it's really important to even be culturally confident. Right. Correct. Even explaining that sexual identity and sexual preference are two different things. Um, just because I identify as a woman does not necessarily mean that I like men. Now, I do, but right. there's trans individuals that identify with being a lesbian or like right. there's just a big platform. Sure. And a lot of uh, health professionals don't understand that or don't even know the right questions to ask us medically yeah, exactly. or the services to offer us. I'll go back a second to Alana because you mentioned something that there was a lot of confusion on, including with me. <laughs> what are the proper pronouns for transgender folks? Well, Julius is probably better <laughs> equipped to answer that than myself. But um, So there's a lot of old terms that were very derogatory, like homosexual, transvestite, tranny. The easiest way to just respect anybody is to ask somebody when first meeting them, how do they identify? Mm. Right. And um, we also got to keep in mind that transgender just didn't happen overnight. So there is probably a plethora of people that you've met that you didn't even realize in society that they were transgender. Right. That's um, so it's honestly just respectful to ask somebody in the beginning, how do you prefer to be called and what's your preferred pronouns? That's a good. That's a good point. Are there new pronouns? I mean, are, are people. There have been some attempt to invent new pronouns, haven't there been? There have been. Like we have letters added to our LGBTQ because right. obviously they want to incorporate everybody, and there is people that are non-binary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's mixed. Yeah, right? um, they either are born with both sexes or they identify with both sexes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. But, uh, it's it's best, if in doubt, to ask, but do it in a respectful sure, and polite sure. way. There are definitely questions that, uh, even if you're very well-meaning, right. are totally inappropriate. Um, we, we tend to kind of believe that if you wouldn't ask a straight colleague about their sex practices or their genitalia, you should not do that for your LGBT That sounds like a general good rule across yeah. the board for everybody. generally well understood that that's a bad practice. Absolutely. Common courtesy. Yes. Well, a lot of, I'm going to ask you a difficult question. Okay. Um, where do, uh, more and more people now accept gay folks. They accept gay I guess marriage. it depends on where you live. Well, you, well <laughs> yes. that is absolutely true. And uh, my brother lives in a rural community, who happens mm-hmm. to be gay. He won't even have a mailbox because it kept getting vandalized. So right. that, I probably spoke to him prudently. But that I'm depends. wondering, are there some people in the gay community nor, who have a hard time accept, accepting trans folks? There are some schisms, I think, um, generally. I mm-hmm. think that we tend to think of ourselves as LGBT, which right. absolutely does include sure. trans people. Uh, Fair Michigan absolutely includes trans people. Right. Anyone who, who feels that way, if you're gay or bisexual, that you know you can take those letters away, 
Right. That's not part of the, the movement. Right. Certainly it's not part of any LGBT organization that, that I'm aware of. And I think that if you try to separate that, you're really doing a disservice to the entire community. Julie? So I'd like to um, add something, not necessarily from the community, because I want to educate people when it comes to this. Um, we get... Okay, so 80% of trans women experience intimate partner violence. Um, a lot of African-American trans women are killed by African-American men. These are African-American men that sleep with us. So they, though they don't identify with being gay because they are enamored with trans right. women, because of the social stigma that comes with being transgender, they don't have an outlet, a support group, family members to discuss this with because it's not common or normal for a man to be able to say, I'm attracted to this trans woman, mm -hmm. which then leads to more violence, more rates of strangulation, um, rates of domestic violence. Um, and again, until recently, my community wouldn't even come forward and report these crimes. Is so, it fair to say the African community is sort of, African-American community, men, are sort of behind the rest of the society accepting uh, LGBTQ people in general? Well, I would say all, to be honest. Um, I specifically work with uh, marginalized communities, so I have more right. experience working with African-American uh, trans women. But I'd say that for all men, all of our cases um, that we've worked that include trans women, all of the men have been married and all of right. the men have identified with being heterosexual. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think that as a community, as organizations, we should start having support groups for men so that they have a better outlet on how to discuss those feelings. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So. How is Fair Michigan, what's Fair Michigan doing, Alana, to sort of uh, help, help with things along? Well, we have a couple of projects that we're working on. Our signature project is the Fair Michigan Justice Project. Um, so far, <laughs> we have a partnership with the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office where we investigate and prosecute capital crimes against the LGBT community. We also just recently expanded into Ingham County and we're working with Prosecutor Carol Seaman on the same sorts of cases in, in that county. So that's our, our signature project. That's what Jaleesa does a lot for us among many other things, but right. uh, that's what that's our signature project. And then we also just launched, launched a trans renaming project. Mm -hmm. That is where we have a special attorney who we pay to work with our transgender clients to have legal name changes. So Jaleesa can talk in, in more detail about the kinds of hardships that people face when their driver's licenses, for example, that don't would, match exactly. their, their legal name or their chosen name, and then the gender markers are... Are, are we allowed, and last time I checked, maybe I'm behind times, mm -hmm. You couldn't change your driver. You were assigned the gender at birth, mm -hmm. and you were not allowed to change that. You, you can. can now. You, you can. can. Yes. You can. So you don't have to have uh, medical operations like they stated in the past. Right. You mm -hmm. just have to have a letter from your doctor stating that you are on hormone therapy and that you're going through the changes. Um, you go fill out for a passport ID card. There's organizations that we can send you to that will cover the cost if you're trans. Mm -hmm. um, when you get the passport ID card, it will have your gender on there, your new gender that you prefer. You take that to the Secretary of State with your old driver's license, um, and they change your driver's license, and then you do the yeah. process to change your name. And we're also actually very optimistic about the new Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, and her efforts to to right these sorts of wrongs in the first place. She right. actually was at Ferndale Pride um, over the weekend 
and and made a particular comment about that. And I think the governor is speaking this week at Ferndale Pride as well. At, uh, uh, she is actually uh, going to be there today, June 3rd, um, and doing a press conference uh, or a town hall or something, right. I believe, at Affirmations sure. with Senator Moss. So, yeah. Now, do we have any idea how large the trans community is in Michigan? So we don't, only because, again, we just started getting statistics and numbers now. For so long, uh, trans women were misgendered, and they were labeled with MSMs, which is men that have sex with men. Right. Um, so I don't think until everybody as a society gets on board and we have education and cultural competency that will actually get accurate numbers and representation. Now, we've sort of been talking, I think, accidentally, as if all trans people were— uh, Men who are people who are assigned the male gender and are becoming female, but there are some folks who go the other way, mm -hmm. right? There, there are women. Yes. There are people who are more female who thought yes. they should men. Um, are there are there more of one group or the other group? No, I think it's both as equal. Um, trans men have easier; they can go about healthcare needs a little easier than what trans women I can. I don't know if that's entirely true. Uh, um, hey, hey, I a second. Yeah. Make, sure, make sure we understand the term. When you say trans men, do you mean a woman who is becoming, a former woman who is becoming mm -hmm. so, male? Okay, yes. so I'll give you an example. Right. Through their insurance company, a lot of them can get top surgery covered. Right. Um, all you have to say is that breast cancer runs in your family, and that's right. a surgery that they don't mm -hmm. have to worry about, as opposed to a trans woman saying, these breasts are going to make me feel complete. Right. So that's what I mean when I say. Yeah. So it's easier um, to have there, breast there removed than breast augmented. There right. are some issues, though, particularly as it pertains to gynecology, right. that if you're a trans man, you're going to have complications with. So right. I think that's that's what I was thinking. It's it's hard to say, like, you know, one person has it harder than the mm -hmm. other. It's it's going to be challenging, I think. It is. And regardless. it's the same thing for trans women like myself, going to the doctor and having to explain that I need a mammogram or I need right. them to check. Like, some people right. aren't culturally competent, and they're like, but why? Because yes. there's breast tissue there now. That's right. Um, so, yeah, yeah I think it doesn't really seem to be a, you need to be a rocket scientist to figure that yeah. out. But, you, would, uh, you would think surprised. so, but you'd be very surprised. <laughs> well, that would probably, I, yeah. I would be. Now for a delicate question. People say to me, <laughs> well, I'm a liberal, but I don't know, how do I expose children to this? And mm -hmm. people say, well, I'm afraid that if we send show this as normal, my little Bobby or Susie will decide to become trans. Um, speak so? to this. <laughs> right. Speak to that. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, for, for me personally, um, I have two teenage sons, um, and I've been raising them with my wife, Dana. I, I adopted them, actually, when, right. when they were 12, but she's had them since birth. Um, you know what? We are just two parents. Right, it's, exactly. It's exactly the same. Uh, my kids are thriving in school. They're happy, healthy. I, I don't know that uh, that you can say anything else besides that, really. I think that, um, you know, but kids, are, kids, are, kids right. are surprisingly sophisticated, honestly. Sure. And I think that, you know, okay, this is my my wife. Okay, okay, cool. No big but, deal. But nobody, you know? what, I, what I'm just getting at, and, and, and <laughs> to say it in an unsubtle way, mm -hmm. no, let's say if somebody is— um, Heterosexual. Some child is heterosexual. By they're not going to watch Kinky Boots and decide, oh my God, I should become a trans. I don't think well, it works not, that way. No. Let me also <laughs> say this: I was raised by a heterosexual uh, family. Both of my parents. Um, my dad was very much a player and had like a million right. women, and it did not. Um, 
guide me in that direction. Right. Um, I never knew anybody that was trans. I'm the first trans individual in my family, so I kind of just had to figure that out and learn it on my own. So I don't think it doesn't matter who raises you. It's something like that's internal, and no trans woman is going to pick for their life to be harder, to be subjected to homelessness, right. poverty, brutality. That's not something that you we have to be pretty darn courageous to decide to live as trans. I would think. Yeah, I think that trans people are some of the bravest people that I know. Just to go out in a world every day, especially mm-hmm. ones that don't reflect what society says is possible, yeah. right. and still live as your authentic self. At, at the at the very best, you're exposing yourself to possible ridicule at the very worst, you know, in the cases that we see, yeah. And let's also uh, inform your listeners that the average life expectancy for a trans woman of color is 35 years old. Yeah, that's an absolutely incredible statistic. Now, Kim Worthy, there's a new unit, isn't there? In fact, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there have, in recent years, the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office has been especially vigilant on protecting transgender people from violence. Well, I mean, we have the, the partnership with the Fair right. Michigan Justice Project. Um, I can't speak to the, the workings right. of the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office, but um, yeah, she's shown great dedication in terms right. of being concerned about this in, in Wayne County, which is why she's partnering with us. Right. In fact, yeah. in, in, in fact, I also should say that not all the board members of Fair Michigan are trans or are even, are even LGBTQ. That is okay. correct. Actually, I think very, the majority of our board is trans. Right. Very, you, want, what you, you know, you have a very savvy young uh, hetero lawyer is a friend of mine, Jamie Powell Horowitz. That's correct, who is, yeah, she's uh, our, our special prosecutor. Yeah, which is a neat thing. What else should people know about Fair Michigan? Well, I mean, in, in its sort of basic form, we are an LGBT and women's rights organization, and right. we're dedicated to seeing equal protections and equal justice for women and LGBTQ people in Michigan. Right. So, you know, we're going to keep advocating, we're going to keep launching new programs and projects, and... Uh, really kind of make sure that we're at the forefront of of issues that impact the community. And if there's anybody listening that requires um, services, a lot of organizations, and if you're not in our community, you wouldn't know this, a lot of organizations that service trans individuals, because of grant money and how things work, they cannot help you over the age of 30. Um, So Fair Michigan has partnered with Ruth Ellis, and I'll be there next month, three days out of the week. Tell us what Ruth Ellis is. Ruth Ellis Mm -hmm. is a LGBT youth drop-in center. So they help people from the ages of 13 to 30 years old. It's kind of like Covenant House for... LGBTQ kids. Um, So they only are open two days out of the week. Administration is open the other three days. Uh, Fair Michigan and Ruth Ellis did a partnership where we will be renting their space for the other three days out of the week. And I will be there from 12 to 4 offering services to all trans individuals over the age of 30, specifically all of them, but Mm -hmm. over the age of 30 that would not be able to get it anywhere else. And that is actually breaking news because we have not announced that yet. There you go. We we have a scoop. scoop. (laughs) One final thing I want to ask is there are a lot of, I think it's fair to say, there are probably a lot of people who may be of goodwill or just, you know, they don't know anything about trans people. They don't know how, how, how to behave. They're just Society doesn't prepare, prepare straight people for dealing with them either. If people hear about this, they want to do something for justice, what should your average, what kind of advice can you give your average person? I mean, I suppose this seems a little bit self-serving, but certainly uh, donating to Fair Michigan would help. <laughs> but beyond, beyond that... Um, is it tax deductible? It is, okay. absolutely. Okay. Uh, beyond that, Jaleesa, why don't you speak to that? Um, donating, obviously. Um, like, 
Alana said, money, obviously, we need right. in order to do certain things. A lot of the gains that we've seen in Michigan really are because nonprofits are taking the lead. It's certainly exactly. not legislatively, so no. it does actually really matter to There's a rumor there's an attorney that. general now who might have some sympathy <laughs> for the community. Yes, that's, that's true. Uh, basically, <laughs> just familiarizing yourself with the demographic or the people that you want to help and right. honestly just being respectful. Mm-hmm. What have I neglected to ask you about the issue that I should have? Um, you know, I'm not really sure. I think we've covered a lot of ground here, actually, yeah. Well, as I said in the banquet last year, I'll be very happy on the day when there's a trans person who's running for governor, and the first question they're asked is, how are you going to fix the damn roads? There you go. Then I'll think we may. So, Julie Sabad, Alana McGuire, thank you very much for making this time for us today. Thanks for having us. Continue your luck and keep us... Keep us posted on (laughs) on what's going on. So, well, that's about it for now, except for my signature essay coming up. I hope you'll check out my blog, as I said, LessonBerryInc.com. That's ink as an ink pen. And subscribe both to it and these podcasts on YouTube. And hope you'll listen to our next episode soon. Some of our past episodes, tell your friends. And feel free to send me a message on Facebook or via email or send large amounts of money. But in any event, keep listening, watching, and take it easy. (laughs) But whenever you can, take it. I'm Jack Lessonberry. Thanks for joining us. I once was in a special high-pressure program in graduate school. My best friend in it was a quiet, soft-spoken young man who later went on to work for a national magazine in Japan. He was brilliant, funny, and had a Japanese wife and a young son. Some years later, I got a letter from my friend who wrote to tell me that he had realized he was really a she, a woman trapped in the wrong body, and that she was going to have gender reassignment surgery. I was smart enough to be totally accepting, but naive enough that I asked why she just didn't live as a woman without the surgery, which sounded both painful and expensive. She told me she thought she would have to kill herself if she was unable to live in a woman's body. We haven't been in touch for years, due mainly to moving and losing addresses, but I hope she's well, fulfilled, and happy. I know now that one doesn't choose the gender they identify with any more than they choose to be gay or I chose to be not quite five feet, eight inches tall. What I still don't understand is why any of us think someone else's orientation is part of anyone's business besides their own and perhaps their loved ones, or why people are so profoundly disturbed by this, often to the point of violence, even homicidal rages. And more that some people think being transgender or or gay is a sin and quote the Bible to back this up. Well, we have religious freedom in this country, thanks to what many consider our God-given constitution. But even leaving that aside, you can lose the Bible to justify just about anything on any side of any issue. Again, even leaving that aside, the Bible doesn't say that sexual sins, or lust as it puts it, are any worse than any of the other deadly sins. I never read a story about a religious maniac physically assaulting anyone for gluttony or laziness or envy, though a look around your neighborhood or shopping mall will show that all three seem far more prevalent than any other of the mortal sins. It also seems to me that people who are comfortable with their own sexual identities and orientation are much less likely to be uncomfortable with those who are different. Last year, I had the honor of speaking at a banquet for the Fair Michigan Foundation, which is dedicated to justice for LGBTQ people of all kinds, which to me means justice for all of us. Fair Michigan is supported by Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy, and its president then was Dana Nessel, the Democratic nominee for Attorney General, who now is Attorney General, so they have some reason to hope for a better future. I'm not an expert on human sexuality, nor on religion. But I do know that the transgender folks I've known have been decent, if long-suffering human beings. And Jesus of the Bible is supposed to have said, Whatever you do unto the least of these, you also do unto me, meaning we should treat every life as equally sacred. I'm not religious, 
but that seems good enough for me. It's great to have you here. Thanks for joining me today on the Zing Media Network. I hope you'll be looking out for other offerings soon.